0: Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a three-week series called Hospitality is Mission. In this series, we wanna look at what the Bible says about hospitality as a means to invite others to encounter Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning, be back with you. I just want to say thank you so much uh, for the gift that you gave to me and uh, my family, Uh, just being able to reflect on being 20 years here now. I don't know if you're like me, I feel like I just graduated from college, Uh, so you think 20 years, wow. Wow. And uh, I was able to use that time to be able to do some of the things I really wanted to do. I read a lot of C.S. Lewis. That was one of my goals. The Abolition of Man was definitely uh, my favorite there. Hard to believe he wrote that, if you ever read it, 60, 70 years before we're actually living it out uh, right now today. Maybe I can talk a little bit more about that sometime. Uh, another highlight for sure was winning two gold medals and a bronze medal at the Transplant Games. That was a lot of fun. And because... yeah. Because you are my church family, I will only ask $100 per autograph, okay? So I'm going to give you a little bit of a deal uh, on that one. I will say, I hope to share a little bit more about this at our next family meeting, but the only pain in my neck over the last three months was a literal pain in my neck, uh, which happens to be a herniated disc, uh, which is causing atrophy in my right arm. I'm sure you noticed that because usually my muscles are bulging out of my shirt, Um but all that to say is, unfortunately, I have to have a neck surgery here on September 7th. I feel terrible about that, just with the timing, uh, but that's uh, the situation. And of course, I'd appreciate uh, your prayers for that. Now, I was thinking a lot about atrophy the last six weeks as I watched my muscles decrease. And it reminded me of Brian's message last week. Now, hold on before you uh, make some sort of judgment there. It reminded me of the reminder he gives us about our mission. I love the fact now that our mission is up here on our banner so that every Sunday when we come at church, we're reminded visually, yes, this is what life is to be about for me as a follower of Jesus. So can we just remind ourselves of the mission that Jesus has given us as his church? Would you read the banners out loud with me there? It says, "'Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit,' And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I'm not sure about you, but for me, one of the fastest things to atrophy in my life as a follower of Jesus is this right here. This idea that every day is an opportunity to be on mission with you as the church, but also on mission with Jesus together. But as Brian reminded us last week in a great message, right? God is ascending God. Throughout history, he has always sent his people to represent him. It starts with Abraham. It goes to the Israelites, then the prophets then Jesus comes himself as a missionary to come and rescue us. And now he says to us as his church, go into the world, you are ascended people. Now, deep down, I think every one of us who follow Jesus understand this, believe this, we want to live this out. However, there's this little hesitation. There's this little fear. There's this forgetfulness, this atrophy that takes place in our lives. I know I'm supposed to do that. But I didn't go to seminary. I don't know the answers that people are going to ask. I'm not extroverted. I don't know enough to be on mission. And so we sort of let our mission muscles atrophy as the church. But what if it doesn't have to be that intimidating? What if it's not hard to practice being on mission with Jesus today? What if there was ways for us to set aside our fear, grow our muscles, and be on mission the way God created you to be on mission, not somebody else to be on mission. Today, I want to start a three-week series where we're going to dig into this, where we can all do this. I promise we can all be on mission together with God. It's called hospitality. If you're following on your notes with me this morning, hospitality is one of the primary ways we can be on mission today. And so, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews. It's near the end of the Bible, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, we have some available right under the seat there. We'd love for you to grab that. You can find this on page 976 of those black Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we say it every week, please take that home with you. We'd love for you to have a copy of God's Word. Now, as you're turning there, let me just say, here's where we're going today. First, I just want to talk about what hospitality is, because I think we have some misconceptions about that. Second, I want to show you how important this idea is throughout the whole story of Scripture, Third, let's just be honest, I want to talk about some barriers that might keep us from practicing hospitality. And then last but not least, I want to give us just two simple ways we can start this this week. We're going to get more in-depth in the next two weeks through Jeff and Brian, but for today, just two simple ways to practice hospitality. So what is hospitality? What do you think of when you hear the word hospitality? For me, it triggers uh, images of like elegant dinners or people invited over to somebody's home around a table. When I was growing up, right, I always thought hospitality was when people got this big table together. They invited other people. My cheeks would get squeezed because I was a kid. And that was what hospitality was. And that is part of what hospitality is. But biblically, it's so much more than that. Let's take a look at what the Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse one. It says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now pause here. The author of Hebrews is first talking about how we're to relate to one another in the church, inside. This is how we live together inside the church. We learn to love one another. How? As family, as brothers and sisters. But now read verse two out loud with me on your notes there. It says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. That's how we relate to people outside of the church. And the first thing I really want you to notice about hospitality, we don't talk much about this, it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's literally a command. In Romans 13, 13, Paul says it in two words, practice hospitality. This is something we are to do as followers of Jesus. Now, what does the word hospitality actually mean? It's kind of interesting. It's two Greek words combined into one. It's the word philoxenia. Philo, have you, or filio, have you heard this word? We've talked about this word before, right? It means love. It means love, brotherly love and affection. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So he combined, they combined this word love with this interesting word, xenos, which means stranger. And so listen, if you're on your notes, hospitality is a command to show a love for strangers. And I love how one commentator notes, phyloxenia is the opposite of xenophobia, which is fear of strangers, or foreigners. At its core then, biblical hospitality means making room for other people outside of the inner circle of our lives. It's showing a love for strangers, right? Now, have you ever experienced this kind of hospitality before in your life? Have you ever seen how powerful this kind of practice can be? When I went to college, I got connected with a roommate who wanted nothing to do with me. You can imagine how lonely that feels. You don't know anybody there. And here you are with this roommate who only just wants to be with this girlfriend. Until one day, I had a friend who would become a friend reach out to me and say, hey, do you wanna play ping pong? And we played ping pong. He offered me hospitality and I get together with this friend among other friends every single year still, 25 years running. It changed my life, a simple act of someone reaching out to a stranger, showing them love and welcome. Now, before we look at the whole Bible and what it means to practice hospitality, I gotta flesh out this word love. A lot of people have a lot of different ideas of what love means. We've reduced love down to a feeling today. And so do we practice hospitality simply by feeling something towards people on the outside, towards strangers, towards foreigners? Now that is a part of it, but I love, I included verse 3 because I really think it gives us a better idea of what the author means when we're to love strangers. It says, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Now, what do we notice about hospitality here? What I notice is that biblical hospitality is more than just feeling something for others. It requires some sort of an action. In fact, if you're following, biblical hospitality is love demonstrated through action. Hospitality is a way for us to care for people who are outsiders, who may be suffering, discouraged. Not the in group, the out group. Now, believe it or not, hospitality is a huge theme throughout the Bible, not just here. I'm not just picking uh, little verses here in order to talk about this. I really believe it actually starts with God himself in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve sin, they hide from God. You could say they have now become strangers God. And what does God do? He seeks them out. He even clothes them because they feel vulnerable and naked. And I would argue you could say the rest of the story of scripture is about our hospitable God pursuing us, his people as strangers, so that we can be brought inside into his family and into his home. The Israelites understood that this is a part of the character and nature of God, so they too practiced hospitality. One of the clearest examples of this is found in Leviticus 19:33 and 34. I have this on the screen. It says, "When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself." And here's the key: "For you were foreigners in Egypt." I am the Lord, your God. That last line, I am the Lord, your God, would have alarm bells going off for the Jewish people. It would take them right back to the 10 commandments, Exodus 20, verse two, where God says this to the Israelites, "Nope, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do you see what he's doing here? He's saying to them, listen to me. You were at one time strangers and foreigners in a a land. You were slaves. And out of hospitality, I came and rescued you and welcomed you to be a part of my family. Never forget that. When it comes to how you treat other people outside of your group. So if you're following, the Israelites were to show hospitality because God showed it to them. Just as I loved you when you were a stranger. And remember our definition of love. Just as I loved you when you were a stranger, I want you to do the same for the strangers who you interact with, the foreigners you interact with. Now, a specific example of hospitality uh, that actually is mentioned in our verse, Hebrews 13, 2, is found in Genesis 18 with Abraham. This is such a fascinating story, right? When it says you might be entertaining angels, what is that referring to? It's referring to this right here. Look at, he, look, at, uh, look at it with me there in verses one and two. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Anybody familiar with this story knows those weren't just ordinary men, right? It is the Lord himself along with two of his angels. There's some mystery there. I don't understand, but Abraham doesn't know that. And notice what he does. He runs toward them like a person welcoming somebody into his family that they haven't seen for a long time. He bows to the ground in a gesture of respect. Remember, he has no idea that this is the Lord himself. These are three strangers, and this is just how he would act. He was a hospitable person. Now look at verses three through five. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so that you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. What do you notice about all that? So a lot of verbs there. Hospitality is action, concrete action. Abraham is taking care of these three strangers. He doesn't even know who they are. And yet he practices this amazing gift of hospitality. So let's tie that back to Hebrews 13 now. What's going on there? Something bigger happens when we learn to practice hospitality towards strangers. As the author says, you might be entertaining angels. Jesus would say it this way in Matthew 25, verse 40. In fact, can we read this out loud on the screen here? Jesus says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. The context of that statement is saying, when you serve the poor, when you welcome the stranger, when you clothe the naked, when you show hospitality to a stranger, you're actually doing it for me. If you're falling on your notes, when we are hospitable to others, we are hospitable to Jesus himself. So I'd say hospitality is somewhat of a big deal, right? Let's talk about what the New Testament says about hospitality. Paul argues in Ephesians 2 that hospitality is the heart of the gospel. That might surprise you, but look at what he writes in Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. Therefore, remember that formerly, you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at one time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. How many Gentiles we have in the room right now? Gentiles are what? Anybody who's not Jewish, all of us. So what does that mean? You were a stranger. You were a foreigner. Paul would even say we were enemies of God at one time. But look at what God does. It's starting in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Paul goes on to explain that. He kind of sums it up in verse 19, which I have on your notes there. Can we read this out loud together like it's good news? Because it is. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I know you've heard that a million times, but let that sink in. Strangers, exiles, foreigners on the outside, welcomed in now by the blood of Jesus Christ, called his son and daughter, adopted into his family. We forget this so easily, especially as Western Christians today, that we were the outsiders. It's easy to see the other outsiders today But remember always, at one time, we needed hospitality. And in the ultimate act of love, Jesus laid his life on a cross. And by pouring out his blood, he has now welcomed you into his family. Hospitality is the nature and character of God. He was hospitable to us. No wonder he commands his people to be hospitable to others. How can we not extend the same kind of love that he extended to you and me? I think we need to hear this today more than ever. In our politically charged climate, where everybody wants to create groups of others You're either in or you're out. We remind ourselves as the church of Jesus Christ, we love all people because God loved us. Let me just say one more thing about this. Part of our vision, Brian talked about this at Cherry Hills, is we want to see every generation. I see multiple generations here. The thing I love about our church, we want to see all of you giving yourself fully, not half-heartedly, wholeheartedly, to the way of Jesus And his mission. When you think about Jesus and his gospel ministry, do you think he showed hospitality? I think you could describe his whole ministry as hospitality, right? He ate with sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and Samaritans. He included and welcomed the strangers that the religious elites had excluded He humanized those others who were dismissed as others and outsiders. And he extended the hospitality and welcome of God. And what did people do? What did those outsiders do? What did those strangers do? They flocked to him. Because no one treated him this way before. If you're following, the way of Jesus was one of welcome to the outsider. The religious leaders of the day used boundary markers to exclude and dehumanize people. And we must be careful we're not doing the same thing today. Jesus tore boundary markers down. He replaced them with radical welcome. Yes, he still challenged people to change. But he didn't do it on social media. He did it in personal relationship, right? To quote John Tyson, you can read this on the screen Unlike our culture's hospitality, which is extended to those like us and withheld from those who differ, Jesus' hospitality was scandalously unconditional. Conditional hospitality crystallizes borders. Unconditional hospitality deconstructs them. Jesus was able to model what our culture is craving. Spaces of welcome where strangers, enemies, outsiders, and others can become our friends. Jesus created pockets of hospitality in a culture of fear that formed a new kind of community in the world, something he called the church. That's the way of Jesus. And we need to model that Today, as we give ourselves fully to his way and to his mission. So let me just ask you, be honest. Are you a boundary maker or a boundary breaker? Just think about your daily life. Are you breaking those boundaries down like Jesus did for you? Or are you raising them up? Let me sum this all up. Our mission, if you're on your notes, is to be hospitable because it is Jesus' way with us. That's it. Though you were a stranger... He invited you into his family. Maybe you're still a stranger and you don't know Jesus. Here is invitation today. I came for you. I welcome you. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Come, receive the gift of life and become my son or daughter in Christ. You can do that right now. Now, maybe at this point you're convinced, okay, I see it. Hospitality is a pretty big deal to God and it should be for us, but why spend three weeks on this? Here's what I believe. Here's why I wanted to do this little three-week series before we jump back into the gospel of Mark. Not only is hospitality an often neglected command, but it is more important today than it has ever been. For this simple reason, we are in epidemic proportions of anxiety and loneliness and anger and fear. The world is crying out for someone to step up and show hospitality to a broken world. This week, I did some research. I wish I hadn't, but I did. And if the statistics are correct, we are in a crisis of loneliness. Feeling like a stranger today has never been higher. Here are some of them that stood out to me. Just listen to some of this. 46% of Americans feel lonely. It's almost half of our nation. Young adults suffer the highest rate of loneliness, anxiety, and depression. According to a recent CDC survey, 63% of this age group are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety and loneliness. The number of people over 50 experiencing loneliness is set to reach 2 million by 2025. This compares to around 1.4 million in 2017, a 49% increase in just 10 years. Half a million older people go at least five or six days a week without seeing or speaking to anyone at all. 50% of Americans take prescription medication to combat emotional and physical problems due to loneliness. This one really struck me. Americans eat 57% of all meals by themselves. Teenage loneliness statistics. Hmm. Reveals the percentage of lonely high school seniors increased 26% in 2012 to 2017 to 39% in 2017. And you all know that pandemic has only doubled those numbers in recent times. 67% of females feel lonely in college compared to 54% of males. I could keep going on this. I mean, you know some of the statistics probably of what loneliness does in our physical health kind of crazy. There are also numerous statistics directly tying our use on social media to these problems uh, today. So listen, this is a big deal. And our default mode, let's just be honest, as Westerners, is we like to create groups of like-minded people, surround ourselves with people who fit our in-group, when what we really need to be doing is breaking free from this insider mentality and reaching out to those as we see here who are desperate, desperate for some sort of love. If you're following on your notes, here's what I really believe. Here's why I'm doing this series. We have a unique, you gotta write small here. We have a unique opportunity today to love those who feel alone. Who else is going to practice hospitality in this world than those who received it themselves? Amen? Like that means I agree. Who else besides the strangers we are who were welcomed into God's family are going to be countercultural to this world and welcome strangers into our lives? The Church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The problem is, I think there's several barriers that might keep us from this. I see 3 in my own life. I'm just going to talk about myself now. Maybe you relate to these as well. The first one is that it requires time and can be inconvenient. Ugh. This means I have to take my blinders off because I love living my life with my blinders on. I love going from task to task to task and there's people, just get away from me. I don't have time for this. We fill our days and our nights today. Everybody just is busy, busy, busy. If you ask someone, how you doing? I'm busy, cool, cool. We're all busy. We create that. We create that ourselves, right? I love our African brothers and sisters say about the West that we live by the power of the watch. We have little margin in our lives today for worship and rest, of welcoming others. In the West, hospitality is countercultural. Let's just be honest. It requires us choosing to do less. Can you do that? making space for your neighbors and for strangers. Or let me just say this, if you're busy and there's nothing you can do about it, can you at least take off the blinders in your already busy schedule and see the people God has placed in your situation and in your path? I gotta tell you a story. I I preached in Mark last spring about Matthew. When he comes to Christ, he then invites all his non-believing friends to his house. Jeff's gonna talk a little bit more about this, right? And it's a picture of hospitality. And I'm driving home after church, and I just got to tell you, no, there's nothing I want to do more after church than go home and veg on the couch. Like I'm done. I'm spent. I don't want to talk to anybody. My kids can wait until I've had a cup of coffee or something, right? And I'm driving by, it's snowing. And I see this guy walking in the snow. He's a homeless guy. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm driving by. That's too bad. I feel bad for him. And then the spirit of God was like, clue phone. You just talked about this, You idiot. Oh, yeah, I did. So I turned around, picked him up, took time. I took him to a hotel. It took money for me to put him up in a hotel. It was inconvenient. But that is one of the few times I listened to the Spirit of God. I want to learn how to do that every day in my life when I see people who might need something. Trust me, that is not a common event in my life. Another barrier to hospitality is that it forces us out of our Western individualistic mindset. I know that's a mouthful, but think about it. We are built as a culture on individualism. Eastern cultures are built on community. So we have to fight against this individualism, right? One of our favorite sayings is a man's home is his castle. Exactly, that's why we build six-foot fences so nobody can see, nobody can interact with us, right? We gotta fight against this. We gotta fight against this mentality that it's it's my family, my house, my life. Gotta take the AirPods off. We gotta get off the phone. Maybe that's why my neck is so bad, right? Just constantly looking down at our phones. Ultimately, individualism, Visualism is just going to create a lack of hospitality in our lives. One more barrier is what I would call our engineering mentality, or if you're on your notes, hospitality involves developing relationships, not techniques. When it comes to being on mission of Jesus, I want quick fixes, right? Easy answers. I want the church to do it. I want fast results. We may even have mindsets of like, what's going to be in this for me if I really start doing this? How is this going to help my life at all? True hospitality is built on the opposite of that. People are not projects to be managed. Can I say that to some of us? We're not in the managing people business here. We're in the loving people business here. Loving people who have been designed by God, created in his image, have inherent value, who need to be known and seen for who they are. Hospitality, I'm just gonna tell you right now, values relationships above all things. It is not to be seen as some sort of a trick to then share the gospel, right? Hopefully that day comes when you can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as Christine Pohl warns us in her book, Making Room, which is hopefully at the Resource Center, it's an awesome book about hospitality. She says this, it's on the screen. To view hospitality as a means to an end, To use it instrumentally is antithetical to the way to see it as a way of life, as a tangible expression of love. When we use occasional hospitality as a tool, we distort it, and the people we welcome know quickly that they are being used. Isn't this true? They can see right through our masks if that's what we're trying to do. Hospitality is about relationships. And those might be long-term relationships that will require time and will be inconvenient. It is not an evangelism technique. It's a way of relating to people because ultimately there's no better way of developing trust with somebody than building a relationship with them. And friends, here's what I hope. I hope you're hearing this as good news right now. You do not have to be, have a PhD in apologetics to share the gospel. You just have to be willing to open up your life A little bit more. You don't have to be an expert at evangelism. You just got to be willing just 10% more to move outside of your comfort zone and reach people with a welcoming spirit. So as we close, here, I'm just going to offer two ways we can begin to practice that this week. Jeff is going to get more specific next week. Brian, the week after. But here's two things. I'm challenging you. Try this this week. Share stories with your life group about what happened when we do this. First, learn to pray for open eyes to see those on your path. We're busy. We are busy, but in our busyness, we interact with people at work. We interact with people at church, at school, in our communities. How many of those people you see every day are unnoticed by you? I can so easily live in my head with my blinders on. What if together we made a pact this week to pray a simple prayer every morning? I've got a sticky note on my steering wheel right now. It's a simple prayer. Lord, it's simply, Jesus, help me to have your eyes to see who you want me to see. When you get in your car, just pray that simple prayer and see what might happen if we do that. By the way, I just wanna say, this should happen at church too. It's so easy for us, let's be honest, I'm like this, to come and sit in our sections where I know everybody. Here's the problem right now in American churches. We view ourselves as consumers coming to enjoy a product. You are not a consumer. You are a member of the body of Jesus Christ. And you need to understand that even here you're on mission. You got to understand even here there are people you're sitting near who are lonely. Who don't have friendships and community and relationships. I mean, if those statistics are true, and they are, that's happening right here, right now. So we've got to stop seeing ourselves coming to church. I mean, we got the professionals, right? They do that. I got people shaking my hand there. I got people shaking my hand here. No, no, no. We all do that. We all practice hospitality because we are members of the same body of Christ. Second, learn to listen and ask good questions. Listen, people are transformed when somebody's willing to listen to their stories, right? To share a meal with them, to find out their insights and their concerns. This starts by learning to ask questions and actually wanting to hear their answers. How many of us ask questions? And I'm like, I'm gonna, I got my reply ready. No. Questions. We stink at this. We want to fix people. We want to correct people. We want to give people our opinions about what is right. But you do know, we've talked about this multiple times, Jesus asked way more questions than he ever gave answers to people. Do you know why? Because he understands. That is what it means to be hospitable. That is what it looks like to welcome somebody into your life. Can you do that? It's as simple as, hey, would you be willing to tell me your story sometime? People like to talk about themselves. Would you be willing to tell me your story? And as they're telling your story, keep asking questions. Listen with a genuine interest, care about people. We can all do this. We can all learn to get better at listening and asking questions. So that's it for today. Two applications. Number one, let's just try it. If you're in a life group, I I would love for you guys to talk about that. Like what happened when you prayed that prayer? Did you start to see things you didn't see before? And then number two, ask questions. Listen to people's stories. As we close, here's what I've just been thinking. In a time and age when the church is decreasing in America, and yet at the same time, loneliness is increasing exponentially, is it possible that now more than ever is the time for hospitality to take root in our lives and that God may actually use that and do something with that? I think it is. And so if you're following, here's my invitation to you this morning. Will I join God's mission by showing hospitality to this lonely world? Let's pray. Father, first, we just need to thank you for the reminder today that though we were strangers and far apart from you, you came for us. You welcomed us into your family. We worship you because of that. We need to be reminded of that every day. We are not an insider group. We were the outsiders. So let us see other people the same way you see us. And Lord, we wanna pray that simple prayer we just talked about. As we head out these doors this week, we pray that we would have eyes to see, your eyes to see the people you put in our path. And let us be more open and invitational and welcoming through listening and asking questions and genuinely caring about those people. We don't know what you want to do. But what we do believe is that you alone are the hope of this world. And we do know that you have called us to spread this hope, to be on mission with you. So pray that we can use this idea, this incredible, beautiful idea of hospitality even more effectively in our lives this week. And everybody agreed and said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.